You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with the biblical worldview. There is a war that's raging for the hearts and the minds and the spirits of men and women. And you and I, as Christians, are on the forefront of that battle. The question is, what will you do? To find out more about the Northfield Radio Program and Caleb Gordon, go to www.calebgordon.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. I am your host, Caleb Gordon. I am so excited that you're with me today. As always, I want to say thank you to our friends at Outpost Coffee. These guys have incredible caffeinated beverages. You do not want to miss out. Kick off your fall season by going and grabbing an incredible caffeinated beverage from Outpost Coffee. Find out more about them at outpostcoffeeco.com. So on today's program, I want to share my story. I want to share what my life, my testimony about um, my personal journey through some pain and through some hurt. And then out of that hurt, finding God's grace to be sufficient for all of my needs. So I want to tell you guys how I met my wife. Um, 13 years ago, I was shopping in Walmart. <laughs> yeah, Walmart. I was in a toothpaste aisle and I was looking to buy some toothpaste and I saw this girl in nursing scrubs at the end of the aisle and I thought to myself, wow, this girl is just an incredible looking lady. She's really pretty. And I thought, this is incredible. This is insane. I'm not going to actually walk up and <laughs> and introduce myself and say, hey, how are you? I've just noticed you. That That's, that's creepy, right? So I said, there's no way I'm going to do this. So I walked away and I thought to myself, well, you know what? No, I am going to go. I am going to go talk to her. I turned back around and she was gone. She wasn't on that aisle anymore. And I was like, oh man, I lost her. I was like, oh well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. So I, I went shopping and continued shopping. And I and in the Walmart, there used to be a giant, our deli section used to be this giant um, mirror. And it had all of this, you could see behind you really, really well because it was a giant mirror and I saw the girl in the nursing scrubs and I thought, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to go talk to her. This is it. Yes. And so I walked up to her in all my confidence and all my boldness and I said, hi, my name is Caleb and I noticed you back on the toothpaste aisle. She looked at me and she goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was not very covert in checking this girl out and so we talked for a little bit and found out where she worked. I told her where I worked and just this back and forth conversation. At the end of it, I said, Hey, I'd love to get your number. Can we, I'd love to call you and talk to you. And she goes, no, she shot me down guys. She straight shot me down, but she told me where she worked. And in our town, there's only, there was only like one foot doctor at the time. So I called the foot doctor the next day and said, Hey, it's Caleb, the guy from Walmart. And you could, you could hear her cover the phone, and she said, oh my gosh, she was telling the girls, oh my gosh, it's the guy from Walmart, he's calling me, he's found me. Well, I asked her to go to lunch, and she said, well, I'll meet you. And guys, listen, I was willing and able and ready to spend some money on lunch. I was going to take her somewhere nice. I said, where would you like to go? She goes, uh, uh, Taco Bell. And I was like, uh, okay. So we went to Taco Bell, and I had a cheesy gordita 
cheesy gordita crunch and she had a taco salad. I still remember that. That's crazy. Um, so fast forward, we get engaged and then we get married and that's been almost 13 years ago. You said, Caleb, you started this out saying you want to talk about pain. That doesn't sound like pain. That sounds like an incredible story of, of love. And it is, it's, it's, it's a great thing. But I want to, I want to rewind to the summer of 2001. I was standing in my parents' backyard on a July afternoon. It was hot. It was like 105. And I was in a tuxedo. And I was getting married to a girl in my backyard. And I was young. I was not well prepared. I had not thought things through the way I should. I had just, I had youthful impulses and I acted on those rather than using my mind. And so I married a girl that I probably shouldn't have married. And we were married for roughly five years. And in that five years, towards the end of it, she came to me one evening and said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And she left. And everything that I was hoping to do with my life seemed to just shift and shatter because I'm now one of these guys that's divorced. I'm, I'm divorced. And I remember as a young guy, 18, 19, 20 years old, looking at people who had gone through divorces and not being a man who gave grace by any stretch of the imagination. Rather, I was very judgmental, mean. I said some things to people that, man, I wish now, looking back now as a 40-year-old man, I wish I could have taken them back. Um, <sighs> and here's the thing. I'm going to, I'll be honest. I made some mistakes in my first marriage. I made some big mistakes. She did too. Um, and I, I'm, this is not going to be me beating up my ex-wife because that is not the goal. Uh, the goal is this, that, that God's grace is bigger than our falling short. God's grace is bigger than your sin. And man, I, I didn't go to that when I was going through the, my divorce. When I first, when she first landed that blow up, I'm done. I want out. Um, I was angry. I got mad really fast. I said and did some things that, man, I wish I could take back. I acted in such a way that was, I mean, there's no other word for it but wicked. I was not a godly man at this at this stage of my life. Now, here's the thing. God had not left. Um, a friend of mine stepped into my life and he's been my, he's been a friend of mine since high school. And he stepped into my life and, and instead of coming back and telling me, hey, I told you so, haha, you shouldn't have married her. He just came to my house and sat with me. And he sat with me through some dark, dark seasons and he said some things that were true in a loving manner 
and he he always spoke truth, but he and he seasoned it with grace. And man, he he was one of the main reasons. His name's Andy, and one of the main reasons um, I am where I'm at is because of my friend Andy. Andy came into my life at just the right part spot. God put Andy in my life because I mean I had shut out so many people. I was so angry at people. I was so angry at God. I was so angry at so many things. I just felt wounded. I felt like a failure. I felt like I had screwed up. I was done. I was like, I was in the midst of doing ministry and and I completely felt inadequate. I dropped, I mean, in essence, I dropped out of church. I still went occasionally, but man, I was not connected in. I didn't, I wasn't engaged in a small group or a Sunday school group. I wasn't reading my scriptures the way I should. I wasn't praying. I wasn't doing the things that I should. Rather, I was, uh, I was engaged in things I wanted to do. I wanted to please myself because I would, you know, I felt like I had pleased, tried to please everybody else around me. So I was like, forget it. I'm just going to do what I want to do and have fun. And man, I'm going to tell you, there is pleasure in sin for a season, but man, there, there comes a due, there comes a, there comes a price tag at the end of this thing. And and it, it's going to, it's, it's rough. Um, so Andy stepped into my life and I, I just, you know, I was in the midst of so much pain and so much agony and so much just hurt. Um, but God used Andy and a couple other godly men to step into my life and to show me that God wasn't done. And I just, I, I, you know, I felt like a failure. I felt like I had just, cause I made the I'm not going to get divorced. I'm not going to get divorced. I'm going to be the man that's going to be this godly leader, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't. I wasn't a godly leader. No, I tried. And I was busy and doing things in church and all that kind of stuff. And I tried. But, man, I I wasn't as the leader that I needed to be. I was young and I was inexperienced. I was immature. And looking back at 22-year-old, 23-year-old me, and as a 40-year-old now, almost 41, um... I was incredibly immature and I just, I didn't think things through the way I should have. And I, I get that, you know, the past is always 2020 vision. You can see really good from in the past. Be like, oh man, I, I should have turned right when that left turn hit. And that was, you know, that's, that's apparent. But I, my hope in, in doing this podcast for folks is I want you to hear this. If you're walking through a divorce right now, it's not the end. And you're not, yes, you're flawed. Yes, you have failed. But I'm going to tell you, by God's grace, you are not a failure. You're not a failure. How do I know that? Because God throughout all of the scriptures has used flawed men and women. And so I want to, I want to share one of the stories about that flawed or one of these flawed individuals in the scriptures through my own story. Um, my friend Andy said, "Hey man, let's let's start the band back up." In, in high school, he and I had had a band, and I was like, "Man, uh, <laughs> this is not the season in my life that I need to be in the band doing that." I just I'm, I just don't feel like I'm in that spot where I should be doing these things. And my friend said, "My friend Andy just said, All right, just just push through this and let's just do this." And I was like, "Okay, fine." So this is proof that even when you're walking in sin, you can still be doing things and not really have God's, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say God's blessing. Now, God was walking with me. God still loved me. 
I don't know, because Ephesians chapter one says before the foundation of the world, God knew who I was and he redeemed me. So I was redeemed. I was just walking in sin and I was ignoring the Holy Spirit's prompting because there have been tons of promptings from the Holy Spirit and people had been placed in my life saying, you know, return to God, return to God, return to God. And I, I was ignoring that because I was angry. And when you're angry without, you know, the proper guardrails up and you're just bitter, that's going to, that's going to leave some real heavy stuff. So my friend Andy said, let's start this up. And I was super reluctant, but I did it just because, you know, why not? I enjoy doing this. I enjoy singing. Let's just do that. So we got invited to go lead worship for a camp. And I was just, man, part of me was relieved just to get away from everything. And so I'm at this camp leading worship and there's a guy who steps into onto the stage and he starts speaking about um, the power of God's grace and how he loves us even though we're flawed and we're sinful. And Luke chapter 15 was was brought up in, in part of this, um, talking about the prodigal son. And I just, as this was on a Tuesday, and I literally, I just remember when the altar call was given, I just walked forward and I just laid on the altar and I just wept and I cried and I repented. And I said, God, I am so sorry. At the time I was dating this girl that just, man, I shouldn't have been dating. And I just, at that point, I just, I'm done. Like I went home, broke up with this girl, said, I'm, I'm out like this. No more. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to know God. And the story in Luke chapter 15 talks about, you know, we know the story of, of the prodigal son. He, he gets this money, requests the money from dad, says, dad, I want my money now, I want my inheritance. And he just goes and blows it. And he just lives a sinful, wicked life. And he just does all kinds of just horrific, horrific things. And there comes a point where he, he just goes broke. Like he's out of money and he's out of everything. But there's this amazing part of the text in Luke chapter 15. It says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, I love that. When he came, like, common sense just came, you know, you know, just a board to the head. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So I want you to see this. The prodigal son did not go back with a presumptuous attitude of, hey, I'm the son, I got this, you should be able to, you know, you should take me back because I'm your kid and I'm your I'm your boy and, and had this, you know, haughty attitude. He was humble and he was broken. And he, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but just treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he, that's what he's going to do. He's, he's talking himself up in this and he's walking back to dad's house. And in verse 20, it says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion. So I need you to see this. His father wasn't just going about his daily life. He was looking for his son. He was looking for him, and he didn't just stand in the window with his arms crossed saying, yeah, here he comes. You're going to suck it up now, boy, aren't you? He felt 
compassion. This is what God is and does. God feels compassion for his children. The father felt compassion and he ran to him. When he was a long ways off, he saw him and he saw him and he ran to him and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he doesn't get to continue the speech. The father stops him in verse 22. But the father said to his sir, said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger. Now, I didn't know this until just a few years ago. When you get a ring, when a father put a ring on the son's hand, that meant he had authority. That meant he had a, a say. He had a line to the possessions of what the father had. So the father puts a ring on his son, a significant thing that shows I'm giving you authority here. It, it's This is yours. This place is yours. You belong to me. And so he put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And they brought a fatted calf and killed it. And they ate and they celebrated. And verse 24 says, For this my son was dead, is now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Guys, that verse, that text really encompassed who I was and what was going on in my own life. I felt like a complete failure. I felt like a complete, I wasn't worthy to be able to even step foot into God's throne room, which in my sin I wasn't. But here's the beautiful thing is I don't have to be worthy because I can't be on my own. Jesus has to make me worthy. So Jesus steps in and he takes my place and I get to get all of the the, the, the amazing things that Jesus has access to because of what Jesus did on behalf, on my behalf. And so guys, I'm just, I sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, God loves me. He, he really loves me. And he doesn't just love me. He, he actually likes me. If you read Ephesians chapter one, we, we find that in, in the text that, that God actually finds delight in us. Look at this in verse four, chapter one, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to him as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, to which he has blessed us as beloved. He's called us his beloved. How beautiful is that? In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of God's grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purposes which he set forth in Christ. Guys, this is the beautiful thing about this is, yes, you're flawed. Yes, you have failed. But because of what Jesus has done on your behalf in Christ, you are not a failure. The, the prodigal son felt like a failure. The prodigal son said, man, I'm just going to go back and try to be a, a hired hand. I'll be a butler. I'll, I'll clean the troughs. I'll do something. I'll clean the house. I'll be a maid. Whatever I need to do, I, I just want to be back in dad's house. But I, I can't come back as a son because I've, I've squandered that. But guess what? Guys, yes, we've squandered that, but Jesus has bought it back. Jesus, through his blood on the cross, bought back what we have. 
We have been given access to heaven, forgiveness, grace, redemption, all of that because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so because of that, you're not a failure. Yes, you failed. Yes, you've sinned. I'm not going to minimalize that. That The prodigal son didn't minimalize his sin. He didn't like, oh man, it's not that big of a deal. No, he, he did think it was that big of a deal. In fact, he said, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. That's how big of a deal this was to him. So this is, a, this is what I felt in the midst of my divorce. After she left, and I felt like a complete and utter failure. But here's the thing. God's grace is bigger than my shortcomings. What's that old hymn? <clears throat> What's that old hymn? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Guys, I'm telling you that God's grace is bigger than all of our sins. And what Jesus did on the cross, he redeemed us. So here's the thing. When you repent of your sins, when you come to Christ in, through repentance and, and a humble heart, there is no sin that God cannot and will not forgive. By the authority of God's word, 1 John 1, 9 tells us if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So if you're walking through this and you're, you're listening to this and you've had a divorce... I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to, I won't sugarcoat it. Uh, divorce is a sin. Absolutely, it's a sin. But it is not past God's hand to be able to forgive your sin of divorce. Purpose in your heart to find forgiveness. Repent of your sin. And then live in that. Live in the forgiveness that God's placed in your life. And pursue Him chase him just like any other sin repent of it and then begin to pursue christ repent of your sin and begin to pursue christ and when you begin to pursue christ and you do that I'm telling you what's going to transform your life and god was god was merciful god was great i am married to a woman that loves jesus with every fiber of her being now is she perfect no she's not perfect and she'd tell you that but she'll also tell you that she loves Jesus and that she wants to please him. And man, I, I'm thankful. And here's the thing. Had you talked to me about this 14 years ago and said, Hey, Caleb, listen, you're going to share your story with so many, especially men. Uh, you're going to be able to share your story with so many people. I would have laughed and been like, no way, man. Nobody wants to hear my story. But I'm telling you what, people are hungry for stories of grace. And this is a testimony of God's faithfulness. This is a testimony of that God loves me. Not that Caleb's awesome, but, you know, because I, I failed. But Jesus saw who I was and he reached through the corridors of time and he redeemed my fallenness, my sinfulness. He redeemed me. And as a result of that, now according to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm blameless and I'm perfect in his sight because of what Christ has done on my behalf. How beautiful is that? You have that same opportunity to find God's grace to be sufficient in your life. Now, I want to address the church for just a second. 
Church, you have the opportunity to love on people who are walking through the midst of their trials, their their hurts, their pains. The church has the opportunity to actually be the church. And so my hope for you as the church is that you would not treat people who are walking through a divorce like a second-class citizen. I saw it firsthand. Now, I also saw people who were beautiful and lovely and amazing who were the hands and feet of Christ and showed God's grace to me in the midst of my pain. Now, I also saw the other. Don't be the other. Be God's hands and feet to people who are hurting, who are wounded. Because here's the deal. We're all wounded. We all have struggles. We all have pains. Church, do not miss this opportunity to be what you're called to be. Now, I will also say, don't. we have to walk a fine line. Because if someone's living in sin, we need to confront, we need to have a conversation about it, but we do it in love. So if you're hearing this today, I need you to understand something. If you're in Christ, yes, you're flawed, but you're not a failure. And God's not done. You're still breathing. God is still in the process of doing something amazing in your life. You just need to stand back and let God do what God does. I love you all. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to listen. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for redeeming us and making us your children. And Father, if there's anybody that's listening to this and they're struggling and they're hurt and they're wounded, Father, I pray that you would, through your incredible grace, step through the corridors of time and you heal their wounds. Help them to find you. Help them to repent and come to know you as Savior and Lord. Uh, Thank you for your grace. We pray all this in your beautiful and precious name. Amen. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.